0: Welcome to Jam Sessions, a podcast presented by Think Jam, a leading entertainment marketing agency based in London and LA. I'm your host, Alex Robson, and today we are joined by two guests, Todd Huntley and Rory Hallam. Todd is a pioneer in launching global campaigns in the entertainment marketing sector with notable roles as the SVP of International Theatrical Marketing for 20th Century Fox for Europe. Rory also leads an award-winning team dedicated to delivering global campaigns for Thinkjams clients and has worked with Todd for many years including all of the EMEA markets for their digital and social needs. Welcome Todd and Rory it's nice to have you both on the show.
1: Great to be here.
2: Hey everyone thanks for the invite Alex looking forward to seeing what questions you've got for us.
0: Yeah absolutely well it's That's a good point, because today I wanted to talk about managing multiple territories across global product launches. I know you guys both have experiences with that, and it'd be great to hear how you overcame challenges through the years and what advice you would give to other marketeers facing similar challenges. So I think my first question will be a fun question. It will go to you first, Todd. What was your favorite project you worked on at 20th Century Fox? And name a few if it's too hard to pick.
1: Well, there were some obvious huge movies like Avatar and Deadpool that were very gratifying to work on. But I think probably the ones that I most enjoyed were films that were very specifically targeted, like Love, Simon or The Devil Wears Prada. And then some films that just had big marketing challenges like Life of Pi and Hidden Figures. Both of those were not on the face of it slam dunks and we really had to work them hard and, and ultimately succeeded. So that would be my group.
0: Great, right. well, quite a diverse uh, group of films there, really, across, I think, a lot of different genres as well. So that's pretty cool. So there's not one that you could narrow down. It's definitely just that sort of group of those, yeah?
1: I think probably, I would say, of all of those hidden figures, just because it was such a difficult movie to market for a European audience. It was American, it was about the space program. It was period. There were just a lot of reasons that people could kind of ignore it. And we did a lot of really interesting stuff on it. Working with the European Space Agency, we used astronauts as influencers and female astronauts as influencers on it. And it was really successful. And I'm really proud of what we did.
0: Yeah, you know what's so interesting, Todd is I just saw that film for the first time last night.
1: Seriously? Yeah, wow.
0: that's really weird that that's linked up like this. Yeah, I know. I was <laughs> I've been doing a movie night with my partner where I choose one and then the next night she chooses one, and that was the one she selected last night, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that film.
1: Well, that's good to hear.
0: Yeah, Rory, how about you? Yeah, I mean that that film is it's
2: so you know well received that it's it's definitely one that. It's got to be on the bucket list, hasn't it? But I think we I worked on all those films with you, Todd. So Avatar, Deadpool, Love, Simon, Hidden Figures. But the one that came to mind when you were speaking there was probably 500 Days of Summer, which is maybe cheating a little because it was Fox Searchlight, but it was actually, that was my first project that I worked on with you, Todd, and, and your team. So I think that that would be my choice, probably for selfish reasons. It gave me the chance to kind of understand how Fox worked and all the dynamics of all the different territories, how they all interpret a product differently to one another. I think that I would say 500 Days of Summer. And, and also, I mean, the film itself is brilliant and great soundtrack. Joseph Gordon Levitt, great actor. You know, so it, I would say that that would be my choice.
1: Yeah, that's a good choice too. Yeah,
0: it's a good film. Definitely. I agree. All right, then. So the next question I have uh, for you guys and Todd for you first, how have you seen the advertising mix evolve for the entertainment sector these past few years? You know, what was the biggest game changer or game changers that you've experienced?
1: Well, for me, I started at at Fox in 2002. And back then, there was no digital advertising. I mean, the internet as a marketing tool was pretty nascent. We did some editorial stuff, but it was not really video at that point. And so it was really the advent of the digital medium as an as an advertising medium that I would say was the biggest change. And that had big impacts on budgets, on how we were allocating marketing spend, and then obviously on, how we were producing creative, and even the structure of of the marketing operation. The biggest game changer within that area, digital was a big game changer as a whole, but the biggest game changer really was video being widespread. We tried to do a video launch with Facebook on Avatar. That was our plan. It was going to be the first time there had been a, a trailer launch on Facebook, and At that time, that was back in 2000, 2009. At that time, their tech just wasn't up to it for video, if you can believe that. And, you know, now you look back on it and there's no way you could launch a film without doing trailer reveals online. It seems so basic now, but it it wasn't back then. So that's the biggest game changer for me.
0: It's funny you say that because it's amazing how much we do rely on that content and it being released online and not going to the the cinema yeah. to see those trailers anymore you know obviously it's dropped at it midnight on whatever date and everybody's downloading it or watching it off of any different social platforms and you know i i love that it's like an event itself and now they do trailers before the trailers don't they they do a teaser before the teaser and really building on hyping it up and by obviously growing those numbers of audience watching it Uh, okay so then i suppose the same question to you rory what about you what do you think about the mix uh, and evolve for the entertainment sector over these past few years and what's been the biggest game changer for you
2: Yeah, it's it's a really interesting question. And actually, I'm thinking along the same lines as you Todd in terms of what was the biggest game changer. I mean, we've seen the evolution of social platforms and new platforms coming along and kind of reinventing how advertising works. So, I mean, just to name a few, like Snapchat for their vertical short stories, which then got adopted with Instagram and they took it to another level. Now we're going through the whole TikTok evolution but I guess on that point is that in all cases with these social platforms is that they all have one thing in common and that's video content. So it is the most engaging, most emotive form of media. Yeah, I remember a time with video, we were just delivering a TV spot for your online plan. That was when I first started. But now, now the whole online media plan is video and it's various sizes, You know, your vertical content, your one by ones, your carousels. I think probably whatever's next for the video advertising, it, it, our goal as an agency has always just been to to quickly adapt and at the very least have the right people there to be able to meet those changes. But yeah, video and how that's evolved across all the social platforms is definitely
1: definitely been the biggest change I've seen. Right, and you you raise a really good point, Rory. There's been this proliferation of formats in video. Um, and that has that has created a lot of complexity which um, I think both the industry and agencies like Think Jam have had to adapt to and have done a good job adapting actually
2: yeah absolutely I mean it's we've where you can try and standardize and uh, make processes easier for yourself and we were seeing certain territories that were ahead of one to another when it came to fox so it was helping bring everyone up to speed on the new ways of working and things like that. So it's something that will always keep evolving, I'm sure. And hopefully with time, like anything, is that when something new comes along, then then there's a general standard way of working across all the, all of the markets and all of the different platforms. So I agree with that. It's something that we pride ourselves on trying to stay ahead of the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, as you said Rory, learning quickly and adapting and moving forward and making sure we've got the right tools to to do the job as the times progress. So the next question, I think for for you, Todd, mainly, I think, Rory, you might be able to add to this, but definitely for Todd, what would you say is the biggest challenge when planning a multi-market campaign?
1: Well, for us at Fox, we have a big range of different genres of movies, and One of the things that you can't forget when you're working on film is that you're marketing a cultural product. And when you're working across multiple territories with multiple languages, multiple cultures, it can't really be a one-size-fits-all approach to the marketing campaign. You have to make sure that the way you're marketing an individual film in an individual market actually resonates with that local audience. So that led us to do quite a bit of adjustment on not so much on the overarching strategy, but on some of the executions. And so we would have a lot of different versions of marketing materials depending on the territory. At the same time, we needed everything to hang together strategically. So it was kind of this tightrope act of making sure that you were creating content that actually worked in a local territory for a local audience, but also it was within the overall strategic umbrella that the international team was working to.
0: Right. Did you have trouble keeping your markets in line with strategy and brand look and feel?
1: We didn't because it was baked into the organization. I During the 17 years that I was at Fox, I had the benefit of largely working with the same senior marketing team. There were a few markets where we had turnover at marketing director level, but we did a very good job of retaining people. We had great talent. And so people really understood that we were all gonna be better off if we bought into the strategy and then tried to execute as best we could locally. One thing I will say though is we didn't do the strategy in a vacuum. The strategic approach on a film was always a function of Territory and regional thinking we had a dedicated international team based in LA that only worked on the international markets and then Europe Latin America and Asia Pacific reported into that international group and I think that structure really served us well with the kind of portfolio of movies that we had, it allowed us to tailor stuff. For an international audience sometimes there were even differences in the strategy between the international group and what the u.s domestic team was doing and i think that was one of the reasons that fox as a studio was very successful with a very diverse set of movies appealing to different audiences and from all sorts of different genres
0: that's very cool i I suppose uh, just a quick question off the top of my head for you Is there a film you can think of that had such a different market appeal compared to America or how you marketed that film, you know, depending on what demographics you were targeting, etc. But is there a film that comes to mind where the marketing approach in America was very different from, say, wherever else in maybe Europe somewhere or something like that?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go back to, to Hidden Figures because that movie, there was a lot in that movie that was kind of already understood to a U.S. audience specifically the space program. Mm. There was a lot more general knowledge about the space program and the way it was developed. The civil rights issues that came up in the film were much more understood at that time in the U.S. than they were here. And so we had to take a different approach, even to the, on the poster. I remember one of the things that we changed for the international markets, the U.S. poster had the three women standing on the NASA logo and it was partially obscured obviously everybody in the US knows the NASA logo it's kind of baked in into your brain but we argued very strongly from over here that we needed to make it very clear make that logo completely clear rather than having them standing on it we actually put it in a different Put it in a different spot on the poster, so it's it's things like that that we had to
0: change. That's yeah, a very that's a very good example and a, g- a good point actually. With that, I grew up in America. I lived there for 17 years, so uh, I think when I was watching this film last night, because it's so funny that I've just seen it and we're talking about it, I understood that way more as well because it was part of my education growing up. But I can totally understand someone outside of American education and history not knowing that. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's really cool. I suppose we'll go on to the next. Question question then, and Todd, by all means, go first on this one. What did you feel were the main benefits you reaped from a centralized approach?
1: There were a couple. One was we had a much better handle on having consistent execution, even adjusting for different messaging in different markets. But we were able to make sure that we were really using the same materials everywhere. When ThinkJam first came on board to help with our centralization project, We found out that a number of territories were not actually even using the materials that were being produced by L.A. They were having local agencies produce their own materials, and we didn't even know about that. And so there was a little bit of a control issue that was a benefit. But the other one was we cut out a lot of cost. And it wasn't that we then just cut our budgets we were able to redeploy that money into media so that we could reach more people so it was just a big win all the way
0: around right okay and Roy, how about you
2: yeah I would say the centralized approach that a lot of the things Todd mentioned there is you know what we were offering as a service to those territories and making sure that we're communicating where one territory might have an execution that we were sharing it with another just so that there was you know those Economies of scale and, and all the benefits you get with that but I, I suppose the other thing we we didn't feel like it was always one size fits all i didn't want it to feel unpersonalized you know what might work well in one territory could have a completely different look and feel for and meaning elsewhere you know without dropping too much marketing speed i'd always like the phrase global local which essentially was our approach to any of those campaigns our role was as that facilitator. Making sure important aspects like the brand, look and feel, and consistent ways of working, and that central approach were the fundamental. But we also wanted to add that little bit of flexibility to adapt our approach to whatever the local market needs were.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the next question is, and Todd, you first, how do you think the territories benefit
1: first of all they benefited from the cost savings because it was their money to redeploy into additional media but i also think the way we actually handled the centralization initially there was quite a bit of pushback from the territories and rory was there at the beginning he'll remember that they saw it as um, taking away creative control pretty quickly they realized that wasn't the case at all they still had a lot of flexibility creatively they were just briefing into ThinkJam or to the other agencies that we used for centralization projects. They were briefing them rather than a local agency. It took a little while for people to understand how that was going to work. But I think in the end, it was actually, it, it fostered creativity within the organization because people had... They had real flexibility to ask for changes that they thought would help their campaigns locally. And we were we were always very supportive of that where it made sense. If it was just changing for the sake of changing, we would sort of police that. But more often than not, and especially after people really understood how the process was working, more often than not, when a territory came back and asked for something to be changed, it was for a really good, reason and we were happy to accommodate
0: absolutely. it absolutely this is no definitely some highlighted benefits there Roy what do you think
1: yeah everything Todd mentioned
2: there were you know the, the challenges that we faced at first and it's it's like anything people don't like change do they and it wasn't really until they started to see the benefits of of our clear communication open planning so if for example France were creating a really cool execution sharing that knowledge with Germany or Austria for example you almost kind of brought them further along the process because they were probably thinking of similar ideas. But when you can go to them and say, "Well, we've already created something, or it's in the works," it's just greater use of time, and everyone you know can benefit from that sense. I mean, as I said, generally what we were sharing, we were sharing ideas, but also, yeah, in its simplest form, just sharing pieces of content across territories. So it just added to that greater flexibility that they could spend more time on creative ideas rather than having to do every execution from scratch so there's definitely lots of benefits from the territories would have had from that kind of central model and you know greater efficiencies and reduces any unnecessary spend as as todd mentioned earlier too
0: yeah which is a huge incentive for sure okay and the next question i'll go once again Todd, you first what would you be focusing your market spend on in today's market
1: Everything points toward digital. What I would say is, we again going back to the diverse slate of films that we had at Fox. We treated every film individually and we didn't do cookie cutter marketing campaigns and that was also true of the media approach. So there were certain movies, maybe a movie that skewed a little bit older, a drama, Hidden Figures is a good example of that, where TV was probably more prominent in the plan than in some other films like Deadpool as an example. But we really looked at what the target audience for a film was and what our messaging needed to be and then we would figure out the right media mix around that in general a lot more of our money was heading toward digital and i i would expect that trend to just continue and continue especially as the platforms proliferate
0: yeah no it's, that's certainly true roy how about you
2: i would agree with everything there in terms of everything moving more towards digital i think it probably goes back to the points that we were talking about earlier in terms of video i mean i think in its broadest term if i was a marketeer i'd be saying. Any creative budget would go towards video execution. People's connectivity is only going to keep improving, which is why more should shift to digital. And social platforms continue to innovate in that space. So it seems like a logical place to start to me. I mean, my background is multi-territory localization, as we've been talking about. So I suppose from the production side of things, that perspective, we've actually been investing a lot of time in technology at the moment to try and streamline that localization process. You know, it will make a better use of budget, we believe, and and all marketeers can shift more money to creative rather than focusing on things like localization. And it's something, you know, our our CEO Daniel's really been striving for that and investing time in tech to help underpin our business and support our clients.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely have more information on that localization tool in the description of this episode as well. So the fun and last question for you guys and Todd, this would be for you first. If you were to speak to your younger self starting out in this industry, what advice would you give him
1: to try to be ahead of your organization in the digital arena and to try to be an evangelist for digital I I was working in marketing in a consumer products firm when the internet kind of started as a marketing platform. And we were so limited by the technology at that point that it was hard to be ahead of it. And I would say that I was kind of, I don't know if I was really a laggard, but I was not paying as much attention to it back then as certainly I did when I came to Fox in 2002. I was really fortunate to be at Fox during that time. I worked with a group of people who took it very seriously and realized that if you didn't Really start to understand digital, you weren't going to be able to last in the marketing arena. So I'm glad that I started there when I did. But you know, if I look back at myself prior to that, I probably could have been more on top of it. I guess the other thing I might tell my younger self is you should learn coding.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a very good point indeed. Yeah, no, some good (laughs) advice there, Rory. How about you?
1: Yeah, the last
2: point on the coding, I've been telling my sister, who's got a five-year-old nephew, and. She's like thinking about whether we should learn a language. And I said, yes, the language is code, not 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 <laughs> a foreign language, because it's definitely will be the way forward. It's scary to think where kids are going to be in, you know, even five, 10 years. When in school, all I had to learn in IT was how to use Excel and Microsoft Word. I wish that I could go back and say, at least learn some code, you know, to, to help you in this industry. But that's, I guess, if I had to go back and speak to my younger self, it's probably just to always try and keep learning you know challenging yourself because this industry changes so so quickly these might sound a bit like marketing speak as well but i'd say learning from your mistakes is definitely one and actually just being brave enough to make them in the first place i think it's another one and the last one the best advice maybe my wife gave to me is any peers or people you might be managing i think just remember one day they could be your boss or your client so it's always (laughs) always important to be polite and professional i would say
0: i can see why you married her that's good advice (laughs) Uh, I think that's a great place to start. So thank you both for coming on the show and sharing your insights and experiences with us. It's really great. So Todd, is there anywhere you want to direct our listeners in order to see more of your work, you know, possibly contact you if they wanted to collaborate with you?
1: For sure. Anybody who'd like to talk to me, uh, I'm on LinkedIn and please just reference this podcast and I'll be happy to talk to you.
0: Brilliant. And for us, please visit thinkjam.com to see all of our up-to-date work, the studios and brands we've collaborated with, and the skills and insights we apply to all of our work. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WeAreThinkJam. And if you'd like to be a guest on our show, you can also email me at alex.robson at thinkjam.com. And finally, please be sure to check out our video software platform called Remake, which was mentioned earlier. That will enable brands to adapt, version, and localize their video content at speed. You simply upload, customize, and distribute your creative content. That's it. With no video editing experience necessary, brands can potentially save up to two-thirds of their budget whilst maintaining brand consistency and control. Okay, thank you again, both Todd and Rory, for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to speak to both of you. Um, Thank you. Thank you. uh, Absolutely. This has been another great episode of Jam Sessions, a podcast that's focused around sharing insight and strategy for brands that live to entertain their audience. Take care and goodbye.